everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing, writing life, and uh, interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genre. Video interviews, by the way, and my conversation with... The fantasy writing legend Terry Brooks is still up there it's a great conversation there's some good articles in there by Jennifer Paris and Aaron Brown and Philip Kenny good issue this month you can check it all out at authormagazine.org.org and we are funded by the great Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Uh, PNWA, it's a great conference, great host, a great conference every year. It's coming up. It's going to be in September down here in uh, the Seattle area. I believe there's still uh, spots if you want to come and pitch your novel or your memoir or even your screenplay. I think there's some agents and editors or agents there for that at least. Uh, so you can learn about that at pnwa.org. And speaking of authors, I want to do a special shout out to the Authors Guild who have just started uh, a new chapter here in Seattle. And uh, a special message from them, the Authors Guild invites you to join its new Seattle chapter. The Guild has championed authors' rights since 1912, fighting for fairer compensation in contract terms, copyright protection, and freedom of expression. Members receive such benefits as legal advice, marketing and publicity webinars, and newsletters, all free, and website hosting and domain registration at modest cost. And now they're local, so come on down to their chapter meetings to share ideas, stay current with industry trends, and build a community of supportive dedicated professionals. You can learn more and get more information from, write this down, Seattle Chapter at AuthorsGuild.org. That's Seattle Chapter at AuthorsGuild.org. Or, you know, frankly, wherever you are, look it up. It's a good national organization. Okay. Speaking of, well, of authors, today's writer is a multi-talented guy, uh, Seth Greenland. Seth is the author of five novels, uh, The Bones, Shining City, The Angry Buddhist, I like it when titles can make me laugh. I regret everything, and most recently, The Hazards of Good Fortune. Very good book, very ambitious book, excellent book. His play, Jungle Rot, he's also a playwright, uh, won the Kennedy Center American Express Fund for New American Plays Award and the American Theater Critics Associate Award, and his television credits include a two-year stint as a writer-producer on the Emmy-nominated HBO series Big Love. Let's get him on the show. Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, it's my pleasure, Seth. You're, 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 I believe you're on tour for the Hazards of Good Fortune at this very moment. Is that true? <laughs> uh, I, I've flown to New York to do uh, an event, so if that qualifies as a tour, then yes, sure. I am on tour. <laughs> okay, that we'll qualifies. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, wait, wait. God. You think the host should do his his, his uh, homework? When did this book? When when did this come out? Did it just come out recently? It came out. Uh, it came out this morning. Oh, and which sounds geez. like uh, oh. uh, which sounds like a gag, but uh, today is the pub day. All right. So uh, so there, your your book is one is a few hours old. It's a brand new baby, and you've gone through this before four other times, if I can count correctly. How are you doing? Right. How does it feel? Does this feel any different than the other four? What's going on? It 
it only feels it only feels different in that each experience is unique, but it's the same in that you know you put a ton of effort into writing a novel and yeah it uh, it's shepherded to you know through the the process and the, to the publication date and then you know you just you just wait to see what the reaction is and uh, yeah. you know unlike when you do a play you know opening night the audience is there and there's all the yelling and the screaming and the bow yeah. and the party with the actors and everything and when you're publishing a novel it's a, it's a very different Nothing. experience because it's not it's not exactly a void but it feels like a void because you're it's waiting pretty for pretty damn close yeah, and I'm in New York uh, in a hotel room right now, and my wife is working in uh, Boulder, Colorado today. So it's uh, uh-huh. I feel a little bit like uh. I'm on a lunar capsule on on the day of my novel's <laughs> publication. It's uh, a strange feeling. Life. I'm happy to be talking to you. Oh, good. See, yeah, you can yeah. feel like it's real. You're not just floating, like you said, on a on a lunar capsule. It's true. It's such a strange. I remember Ernest Hemingway when he got his a Nobel Prize. He gave a very depressing speech about how lonely the writing life is and how only the suicidal person is lonelier. He really went on and on about it. And well, it's funny. Uh, you know, I mean, Hemingway could be such a bore on the subject, couldn't he? Yeah, I know. I know. You know he was. But uh, there is. It, it's. It's. I mean, it's such an obvious thing to say. It's lonely because we do. We do. It's, it's an act that we do entirely by ourselves. You know, day yeah. after day after day, and. It's incumbent on on the writer to find some kind of balance in in life to not you know become a hermit or a misanthrope or uh, yeah. you know someone who who can't who's not fit for the company of other people and you know all those <laughs> things describe me at certain times actually and that's a, that's a, an, an ongoing struggle I think. Well, it is, but every writer I know has this in common, which is they are also happy to be alone. That it is not uh, an uncomfortable. Uh, relationship to the world that I mean I know so for instance I'm a very outgoing guy in a lot of ways I love to teach workshops I'm very happy behind a microphone on stage in front of a crowd I love all that I did some theater but if I'm not alone for two or three hours a day I go nuts I don't nuts but I can get pretty grouchy so I love the solitude yeah, does I, that describe yeah, you at all I find very much so and but for me it's the it, the the endless solitude is not something i'm cut out for and so i have right. to find a balance because uh, you know i'm obsessed with getting my work done and the pages need to be accumulating and the projects need to be yeah. completed but basically i'm a somewhat social animal and uh so the challenge is is finding that balance you know i hosted a radio show in los angeles for a year and a half mm. called the los angeles oh, right. review of books yeah radio yeah. hour and you know had a great time doing it and really really enjoyed it but of course what happened was it cut into my writing time and after 18 months i had to stop because i was yeah. trying to finish the hazards of good fortune and that obligation was you know keeping me from doing it in a timely manner and i will tell you i miss i miss doing it but by the same token it was interfering with the writing and the writing is always the priority yeah well and you know, I always wonder about this. I, so, has a good fortune is a is a big book, and I mention that because for a lot of genre fiction writers, and I know a lot of them, there's a kind of they kind of know what their books are going to come in at, whether they're writing romance or suspense, or mysteries. There's a kind of a, a even memoir to some degree. There's kind of a set um, length. But if you get into literary fiction, which has a good fortune, I think definitely qualifies. There's really it's you know the the, the rules are off. And so did you know when you sat down to write this that you were writing a 
big book, a big sort of complex, or just have an idea and said, let's see where she's going? I knew it would be a big book. I, I wanted to write a 19th century novel. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> of, the, of the authors of the 19th century, and yeah, uh, yeah. as I think most English majors are. And, you know, I've had some of my best reading experiences reading those books and uh, um, was very intent on doing a big panoramic American novel. And, you know, if you yeah. do that, my, my last book was, was quite short. My last book was about 240 pages. And it wow. was no, wow. no easier to write, actually, right. uh, it's, yeah. which is, was kind of an interesting thing for me to find out. But, uh, no, I set out to write a big book. And what I hope is that the narrative thrust of the book carries the reader forward. So although it's a large book, you, one moves through it at a pretty good clip. Well, there's nothing like settling into a book that you discover in the first 40 or 50 pages you love and saying, oh, thank God it's 600 pages. I get to hang with this. That's how I felt when I was reading Lonesome Dove, for instance. I remember thinking, uh-huh. oh, don't end. Just keep on going, Larry. <laughs> no, exactly <laughs> you know? right. Just, and, those are, and those are the greatest experiences. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, so you had a, so you, so your last book was 240 pages. This one's a biggie, but you've also written, uh, you know, theater and you've written for television. And theater and television are well. Television for sure is collaborative, but I think theater is even too because you have the actors and the director have such a hand, obviously, in what happens. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you have a preference? Uh, you seem to have written, be writing more novels, but you've done a lot of stuff. Do you, what, where do you well, land no, on I'm, that? I've, I've, been, I, I've enjoyed all those processes. The, the one that's the most fun for me is the theater. Uh, because oh, it's yeah, like summer really? camp, and 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 the writer, you know, I I came to theater after doing television and movies, and you know, I've been doing uh-huh. TV and movies for about ten years before I wrote a play, and uh-huh. you know, in in Hollywood, the writer is not uh, does not occupy a place of pride on the totem pole, <laughs> no, generally speaking. No. And, whereas whereas in the theater, of course, the yeah. playwright is is very high up on the totem pole, and so yeah. that was yeah. That was a, a very uh, that was a really good thing for me because um, you know I like to collaborate, but when I'm writing, I also like to be the last word. And uh, in yeah. TV, that's not the case. Whereas in theater, you have to sign off on every change as the playwright, and that was just that right. was just being uh, that was okay it, with it, you. It was like being in a, I had no problem with that. <laughs> well, yeah, that was yeah. Very fun. And, and I was wondering. With... Go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, and if you work with talented collaborators, a talented director, and a talent and a talented cast, they will make you a better writer, and that's yes. and that's a fantastic yeah. luxury. And uh, of course, in novels, there's no one there to make you any better, so you no. kind of sink or swim on your own your own ability, which can be a challenge. My, I, I remember I got to interview Nora Ephron before she passed away, and she was talking about writing uh, when Harry met Sally. And she said, you know, she talks about a scene in uh, the car when Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are sort of taking their first road trip together. And she said, I wrote some funny stuff. It was legitimately funny. But then they showed up with Billy showed up with, I guess, a bunch of grapes. He was spitting seeds out. And Meg Ryan showed up with this hairspray. And she said, I couldn't. They brought their own genius to that and made it that much funnier. It just made it. And that was there's nothing she could do to predict that because and she left room for them. No, it's exactly right. And a good writer knows to get out of the way and, right. and not get hung up on, on his or her ego in a situation like that and let the actors make you look good, which if they're talented, they will really do. Yeah, 
And that, do you and ever? That's a, that's a fairly. I was going to say that's Go a ahead. fairly easy lesson to learn if you if you approach these things in an open-hearted way. Yeah. Well, and and do you ever uh, when you're working on a I think of this with television for sure. I remember I'll watch a series, and then I'll watch the actor find the voice and the character, and I think the writers have got to be adjusting to what the actor found. There's no way, because if the actor catches something that just intuitively that wasn't in the language, the writers have to adapt to it and start writing towards what the actor found. And I'm wondering if the same thing ever happens in theater where, you know, because I know oftentimes rewrites happen right up until the end. If the, if the, actor comes on and starts doing something and it inspires you to say, oh, there's an, there is an aspect of that character I hadn't quite caught and that, and that you might even rewrite a touch to reflect that. Does that ever happen? Not so much an aspect of the character, because I think if you're, if your character isn't really clear in your mind, you're not ready to start writing the play, but certainly I, true, aspects yeah. of the aspect, aspects of the dialogue or stage business, absolutely. You know, there might be yeah. there might be a line, and an actor says it's a different way, and you think, oh, that's a that's a better way to do it. I could write uh, in a smarter way for that actor, and I could change that up. Or they're coming up with stage business that's great, and then that can get incorporated in the play. But in terms of bringing a psychological aspect to the character that you didn't see, that maybe that happens to some playwrights. That never happened to me. Right, you got to know it. Well, you know, so, okay, I always, so then we go to. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, I, when I no, write a play... I, you're the I, guest. I, Please finish. <laughs> I, I was, thank you. I was just going to say, I, when I write a play, like I, I write a book, I have a very strong sense of who the characters are before I get going. And, and I, right. might, I might discover behavioral things along the way. But if I don't know who they are psychologically, I, you can't get past page one. Right. Because right. who are you writing? That's right. That's right. Kurt Tips Vonnegut said... Tips for you said, young uh, writers out there. That's right. Well, it's true. If you don't know what they want, if you don't know what your character wants, you don't know who the character. Like they, you have to know what it no, is. Exactly I think it was the, right. right. You got to know what they want. No, why no, are they absolutely. wandering the around the stage? Well, that's the thing. If you don't know what they want, and more importantly, why it is they want it, which is the depth yeah. of the character. You know, you have yep. the, what's their need, and why do they have that need? That's the psychology. And and if you don't yep. know what that is, well, don't boy. Uh, Good luck to you if you're using your actors to help you find that out. Yeah, I, I agree. I was I was writing a very long like kind of fantasy novel once, and in the middle of it, the characters kept saying, "Why are we on this journey? Why are we on this journey?" I thought, Jesus, I don't even know why they're on the journey, and I knew it was yeah, time exactly. to stop writing the book. <laughs> it's no, like exactly. they're asking, and, it's and really I don't have an answer. Thing. Right, it's a great thing to pay attention to, and for you know any young writers who are listening, if you're stuck. Yeah. It's because you didn't set it up correctly, and you need to go back to earlier in whatever piece you're writing, whether it's a novel or a play or a screenplay, and figure out who your character is. Because if you don't know what they would do, then you don't really know who they are. Yeah. Well, so now here we are, five books in. How do you feel like you've changed? So was The Bones the first book? Was that your first novel? Is that, am I listing them? Yeah, in order? that was my first one. Okay. All right, yes, The Bones you did, your first you novel. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, uh, what's changed about you as a novelist since you wrote that one? And, and by the way, before you answer that, was The Bones the first novel you ever wrote or the first novel you ever published? It was the first novel I ever wrote. And wow. uh, I wrote it very quickly. Uh, okay. And the reason I wrote it so quickly is because I had no idea what I was doing. Ah. And that ah, allowed me – nice. 
that allowed me to write very fast. And, uh, you know, I was lucky that it turned out pretty good. And uh, it it was, that was, that was luck, I think. And it came, it it, it turned out well, because, you know, I had written, or, or I'm sorry, I had read just thousands of books at that point by the time I started writing the bones because you know I've been a reader since I was a kid and never stopped sure. and it was just something sure. I always did and you know you you internalize these kind of things and there's certain novelistic tropes that you internalize without realizing that that's what's happening so if you have a facility for writing and you sit down and write chances are you can write something that is halfway good and I wrote something that was halfway right. good and then I tweaked it and worked it and made a novel that I think ultimately worked quite well and uh, but I really didn't know much about writing novels when I did it, and at least on a conscious level. And as I've gone through the process, having written five now, uh, I know more and more about the craft as I do each book. And as a result, I've slowed down, and that's made it more challenging because I now know what to avoid and what not to do, and it makes the process a little bit more self-conscious and i think the books get better i hope uh yeah. the process interestingly gets doesn't get easier the process becomes in a way more challenging yeah you know i when i teach my students i i, I let them know that like what happens is you, what your your bar for what is acceptable keeps going up you know what that's was, exactly what, right what, what you're willing to say well that was a fine sentence or scene Five years ago, that's no longer the case, and that can I write a, a sort of an essay more or less every other day, and so and that keeps changing. What I expect from myself and what satisfies keeps changing and changing, and so it doesn't get easier. I mean, I could write what I wrote ten no. years ago easily, but I don't want to, you know. No, the, you know the knowledge the knowledge of what you're doing is revealed to you more and more as you become more adept at it, and the paradox is the doing of it then becomes more challenging. Yeah, because your no, but your your sights your sights go higher. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? I know, but absolutely. But we get bored if we didn't for, for your work. And, so I'm sorry. Say that again. I say we get bored if we didn't do it. We'd get bored if it didn't. No, keep exactly. Going. No, that's exactly okay. right. That's exactly right. So you just you challenge yourself, and it gets you know the the climb gets steeper, but, but ultimately, you know, when you pull it off, it's, it's very satisfying. Although sometimes it, the process, you know, the, the bones was, I hesitate to, to use the word fun, but the bones was as close <laughs> to okay. fun for me as writing, as writing can get, you know, right. and, and the hazards of good fortune, I would not describe as a fun process. It was a very satisfying process, but fun, not so much. Well, it was probably satisfying once you, once it was able to come together, it struck me as the kind of book, you know, so I, I read with two hats kind of, and I'm sure you do too, which is the reader hat and then the writer hat. And, yeah, of course, uh, yeah. You know, and the writer and me said, oh, Jesus, God, how does he do this? <laughs> I, I just can imagine all the, all the, the, just the work to make it all come together because it's so, you know, the, you, you don't just write this in one shot, obviously. And, and, uh, and the kind of, I just imagine some moment where you must have been looking at it and whether you, I don't know if you outline or not or whatever, but thinking, how the yeah, hell am I going to pull this freaking thing together? I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's, the, the challenge for me was making it as short as it was. Oh, really, because wow. this, book could have been, this book could have been eight or 900 pages long, really. And, right. and even now when I look at it, I think, oh, boy, I should have included that. Why did I leave that out? And right. I could have deepened that, and I could have adjusted that. And somebody you know, smarter than me once said, you know, an artist doesn't 
finish, he stops. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and I think I think there's there's some truth there. You know, and I don't know that we ever finish a, a, a work, whether whether it's a you know a painting or a novel or a play. It, no. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to open any of my books because whenever I do, all I do is see things that I would change. That's right. All right, I have a theory. I have a theory about that, Seth. I'm going to share it with you now. Tell me what you think. You've produced a lot of work uh, in all different forms. And I think, if you think of the muse, you know, whatever you think of her. But I certainly feel like when I'm writing, I'm in collaboration with something. It certainly feels that way to me. I think that the work that you and that are, you muse are doing, it, it is, it's never about one piece. It's one ongoing stream of thought and exploration. And so there is no end to it. There is just each piece is a continuation, continuation. So you get to, quote, end of one piece, and you're already feeling the pull of what you're going to do next, but you can't do it in that one thing. You have to begin another. That it's all one giant body of work that you're sort of flowing along from one to the other. What do you think of that? I think that's really well put. I, I agree with every word. I, I don't even have anything oh. to add to it. I think that's exactly right. Oh, I mean, perfect. I think if you're, if you're, if you're really tuned into, uh, let me just give it a little addendum, which is if you're really okay. tuned into what you're doing as, as a, a writer, then what's happening is you're working out things that are, you know, running around in your unconscious and, and get, you know, trying to make sense of it by putting it on the page. You know, why do we choose to tell the stories we tell? Because it's what we're thinking about when we don't realize we're thinking about anything really. And and this is just a process that, that never ends. And as long as our brains are functioning and we have the wherewithal to, to write these things down, that, that is, that, that's what a writer does really. That's right. I love it. But what you're thinking about when you don't realize you're thinking about it. Sometimes I have clients that I work with, a lot of them have a lot of skill already, but they haven't written books. They've written maybe short things, but a book is a whole other animal. And I always try to impress upon them, your subconscious is smarter than you are. Your subconscious will can knows more than you do and will help you finish things in ways you can't. And you have to learn to trust in what you can't see, but some other part of you seems to know that you have to let through. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And, I, and to your use of uh, when you said so your clients who said might have a high skill level, that's a, that's a really key point because I think sometimes yeah. people who have a facility for writing are seduced by their own facility. And because it's yeah. easy, it's, 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 it becomes glib. And they're, they're not doing right. the psychological work they need to do to give the work depth and – they're, they're seduced by forward momentum rather than by making the thing resonate, which is harder and doesn't allow for, for easy progress. No, and, and also you said earlier uh, something which I think is true, which is the writer having to get out of the way. I mean, you were talking about it in relation to, to theater, but I think it's always true. I remember the novelist, the Mar- you might have interviewed him when, even when you were doing your show, uh, Andre Debuse. Have you ever met him? Or interviewed him? No, he he didn't do the show. Oh. I'm familiar with his work though. Okay, any because he had done some other show, I guess, in L.A. a few years ago. But anyway, so he talked about that the job of the author is just to get out of the way. Get he's he said get out of the way, dear author, and that to let that if you just are like you want to be the open portal. I mean, you have a role, but I always think of it like let me ask the right questions and I'll get the right answers. But something else answers it. But I do have to ask the right question and then get out of the way. It's the getting yeah. out of the way, the dropping your ego. That can be the tough part. No skill can do that for you. 
No, exactly, exactly. And it's a funny thing because if you if you fancy yourself a stylist at all, that that's a, yeah. a tricky balance to find. <laughs> yeah. Because the, yeah. the author, for when an author says "get out of the way," it says to me they're they're writing with a very workaday kind of prose and just telling the story. And there's and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I think they're they're writers who write that way and they're terrific. But but if you yeah. want to write in, in, in more of a voice, well, that's a different kind of a thing. And and then you can't quite get out of the way. That's uh, because your, your prose is part of what you're doing. It's true. It's true. But you don't, it's a tricky thing. I, I, I'm aware, like, I don't, I want to write the best, every sentence I would like it to be as good as it can be, right? But I don't want the reader to have to to notice me. You know, I want them to notice the thing they're re- like. I want it to come to life, but you know, it's tricky as an author not to have your ego go. Pay attention to me. Notice me. <laughs> Look what I'm doing. Sure, yeah. isn't that cool? You know, it's just human. No, you're right. But it doesn't. It gets and, in the way of it. It can. It can. But then, if you take a writer like Philip Roth, who is an incredible sentence maker, you know, you read yeah. those sentences, and the sentences are works of art. And I, I appreciate yeah. that kind of writing as it's well. It's true. It's true. Well. So you're all alone in New York. It seems strange. I was just there actually last week getting rained on. Uh, but so you're all alone there. But the, the, right, the relationship between the author and the audience, the novelist and the audience, is very particular. Um, do you, have you heard a lot from your readers? Do you have much of a relationship with your readers at this point? Uh, you, you, know, you get fan letters occasionally, and I, I answer yeah. them. Uh, yeah. But basically, you know, you put you put a book out there and people buy it and they buy it here and they buy it in Europe or wherever you're lucky enough to be published. And uh, yeah. it's gone and you write another one. And uh, yeah, I'm, I would not describe myself as an author who has a lot of reader relationships, though. No. Well, I'll tell you what. Write for teenagers and you will. I've interviewed a couple of people <laughs> who were adult <laughs> novelists and they started writing young adult. And oh, my God, did it change. They couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's, they were, that's that's a whole different thing. They were like rock stars. I think with literary fiction. Yeah, no, exactly right. A guy like John Green is, and it's incredible. His oh yeah, yeah, his audience. Yeah, but yep. uh, I find for for adult literary fiction that has not been my uh, my path for whatever reason. They're, they're too shy. Yeah, I, I, hey, I, you know, I love I love <laughs> my readers. I'm happy to hear from them. You know, you can, they, you you know can only do what you can do. I, I'm sorry. They think you don't want to hear from them. They think, oh, he's too busy. He's too. No, I'm serious. You know, he's too important. I can't write to him. Little do they know, well, you know I'm on, <laughs> how much I'm authors want to hear media. from them. I, I, I tweet a lot. I hear from people on Twitter. Uh-huh. I guess that counts, right? Uh, that counts. Absolutely. Yeah, people, I'm sure your publisher is thrilled that you tweet. <laughs> yeah, that? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think they love it when, when they're not embarrassed by the tweets. Oh, oh! They believe me. They want you. Uh, they want you all over social. They think it's the. They think it's God's gifts to writers. I'm not so sure of that, but publishers. Seem yeah, to that's think social so. media. That's that's an interesting thing. We could have spent a half an hour talking about social uh, media. Yeah, I, I, you know, I have to say it's helped my career in certain ways. I reached a lot of people when I was, things weren't happening for me because of social media, and uh-huh. that was great. And you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It's not some panacea for book publicity i don't think no no it's not it's a it's a good outlet though it's a nice it's a good valve i think yeah yeah you know for I people like for people like you or like me guys who write books and are alone in a room uh <laughs> doing that day after day it's a great way to to reach into the world 
very, very yeah. briefly, and then no, you know, come back into the office, you know, without leaving your desk. A lot of my friends, quote unquote, on Facebook are other writers. I mean, it's almost all other writers, and they're all just on there oh, exactly. to connect to human beings. <laughs> you know? No, exactly right. I think that's the case for a lot of writers. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, Seth, you're a very interesting guy. I'm so glad I got you on the show, but I'm not ready to let go of you just yet. Uh, I have a final question. Before I ask you that question, however, uh, if people want to learn more about you, this guy's so interesting. I want to go hear him talk. How can they learn about you? Where should they go? Well, I'm, I'm uh, my website, SethGreenland.com, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. At Seth Greenland at Twitter. I'm, I'm pretty okay. active on Twitter. I'm doing an event in Bryant Park in New York City tomorrow at 1245, nice. right behind the public library uh, Ooh, in nice. Los Angeles. Yeah, in, uh, we're doing a panel thing, uh, me and a couple of other authors. Uh, that's 12:45 tomorrow, August 22nd, uh, October 30th. I think is the date. I'm doing uh, the Glendale Public Library in Los Angeles. I'll be on stage oh. with uh, a guy from KPCC, one of the NPR stations in Los Angeles. He'll be interviewing me. They're doing the One Book One City event, and they're oh. kind oh, enough to be doing nice. This. The hazards of nice. the hazards of good fortune. I'm very happy to be doing that. So for anybody who's Great. in Los Angeles, uh, please come out to that event. And uh, that's it right now. But there will be other events coming along in the next few months, and I will be announcing them on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm very very accessible on both those sites. All right, market people. If you want to talk to Seth, he just wants to hear from you. Uh, okay. Seth. <laughs> uh, my last question to you is this: If Finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, good God. That is a great question. <laughs> I wish you would ask me in advance so I could actually give you an intelligent <laughs> answer. It's taught me how to sit still for eight hours in a single day. Uh, well, that's that's, that's a glib answer. No, it, it hasn't taught me that at all. If writing has taught me anything, if uh, here's, here's a real answer. If writing has taught me anything, it's to dig deeper psychologically. Yeah. And to not be yeah. satisfied, and to not be satisfied with the easy answer when it becomes uh, whether whether it's what I think about something, uh, what a fictional character thinks about something, or what another person who I'm dealing with in my day to day life is thinking yeah. about something. It's 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 made me refine my ability to empathize to a degree that I never thought was possible. Yeah, yeah, amen. You know, I'll tell you, I. I tell my memoir students, like, the story is beneath the surface. It's not ha- that's where life is happening. It's the deeper you go, the more into life you're going. So that's, and I love exactly that right. you're able to apply it to your life. That's great. Not just the that's, writing. Yeah, that's the, that's the big thing. Take it off, take it out of the office and into the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, I don't know if you heard, but this is what I say at the beginning of every one of these shows, that what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the wife you want to lead. And I believe it. I believe it, Seth. Exactly. Look at that. We, that. Just, we just closed the circle. That's right. That's good writing. Uh, all right. Well, Seth. Well, well done. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, hey, good luck with the book and good luck with the next one. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. As well. Take it easy. Okay. You too. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yes, full circle. Listen, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. He's awesome. 
He makes my job so much easier, and he is such a good companion for these shows. I will be back next week talking to therapist and writer Philip Kenny. Until then, go do something you love. Do it. Do it.